lot of SmackDown. Podcast from the shadows. Split. Doing the damn thing. WWE. It's really good, y'all. SmackDown Live was last night. I actually missed uh, the first segment, but I was in time for the tag team match between uh, Kofi and Woods taking on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. It was a much, I wouldn't say much needed tag match, but they, I'm glad that they were able to build up to that point because they hadn't really had the tag team match yet. So it was good to see that. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, just uh, reading some of the story on WWE.com because I missed the match. Well, I missed the opening segment. Apparently, Kofi came out, you know, with Woods and spoke on uh, his trip to Ghana, you know, back to his hometown or homeland or however we want to word it. And I'm, I'm, I'm so sure that, you know, just based on a couple of the clips that I've seen with uh, Kofi, you know, being out there and being amongst his people again and just how happy they all were to see him and, you know, just to be able to celebrate his accomplishment and achievements uh, thus far in WWE. You know, it's really, really humbling stuff. It's, it was quite beautiful, really, you know, to, I, I just have to call it like that, to be able to tap into that, you know, market of emotions and really uh, just have, you know, you know, people care about the WWE Championship. It makes it that much more credible, in my opinion. And with somebody like Kofi right now, uh, being scripted as making the title strong, I think he's doing an excellent job at, you know, doing just that. So, I did come back in. I think I saw the Unicorn Stampede. Some people were saying it was a standard uh, tag team match. The stuff I saw, I'm just, I, I felt the same way in a way. Like, I'm glad that it was, you know, those four that went at it to open up the show. You know, like I said, it seems like, w, not even seems that, but it's uh, WWE ensuring that the people are getting what they want, you know. So, the tag team match was really good stuff. It was good to see, you know, the WWE champion who, you know, was originally, well, I mean, originally a singles competitor, but who is a, you know, a tag team competitor, uh, you know, good to see him in there in tag team action again, you know, with his partner and just to say everything is, you know, seemingly all good on that front also. So, I'm, um, I'm good with the segment. I'm good with the tag match. It was a great way to open up the show and, um, it wasn't bad at all. It was good stuff. So, let's head on into the next segment. Uh, yes, let's not forget that Kofi Kingston is taking on Dolph Ziggler. So apparently in that part that I missed, uh, Ziggler came out and, you know, he came with the same, it should have been him. You know, Kofi's done amazing things, you know, you know, becoming a WWE champion at WrestleMania and all the rest of that. But now, you know, Ziggler's claim is that he's going to win and everything that he should have had, he's going to receive. So, We'll see, and uh, Kofi called him a quitter, which is it's pretty big, you know. Uh, a quitter never wins, and a winner never quits. And, you know, apparently we can see, you know. Like, we know that Ziggy was the sole survivor, but could Ziggy uh, last the gauntlet in the same way that Kofi lasted the gauntlet? You know, it's, 
there is stuff to toss out there. Are we going to see Ziggy after Super Showdown this Friday streaming live on the WWE Network? Is he is he back around or is he going to try to do more of this to other superstars? Is he is he good? I wouldn't say there's nothing left for him to do in WWE. You know, I'm pretty sure there's always something for, for somebody to do, but I guess it just remains to be seen and we'll be able to uh, figure that all out in some time. But uh, next up, I believe we had a moment of bliss segment with uh, well on SmackDown. So Alexa Bliss was over on the wild card and um, I guess was barely uh, Bliss was having some coffee issues. It was pretty funny stuff, you know, just to see Bliss, you know, do this coffee thing and have the... Uh, have the backstage hands actually deliver her coffee and such like that. It's it's really funny. She's picky and has her likes her coffee a certain way. It's uh, you know it's, it's good. It's just you know nice little additions to the storyline. Just small quirks here and there. So I, I I like that. But her and Bailey, you know, uh, we know that her and Bailey have had uh, a little bit of a rivalry where Bliss has totally been on top. Another one, I don't, I'm not too sure, you know, just with, you know, I'm, I just, it's Bailey and, Bailey and Alexa Bliss, you know, done this, you know, we, we've seen Bailey not have that edge, and hopefully we can uh, see Bailey let loose on Bliss, uh, more so when they do go at it, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, yeah, there's a, oh, Bailey smacked Alexa Bliss's coffee cup out of her hand and and didn't want to make a mess. So, you know, suspension of disbelief, you have to, you know, not worry about the fact that there was no coffee in there and they were up by the LED board and such like that. So, nah, but, um, Alexa Bliss is a raw superstar. Now she's the number one contender for the SmackDown championship. Uh, we'll get into the match later on. That's just something that... Uh, oh, that's what it was. I'm. We're looking at this idea of the brand split. We're looking at the Fox decision. And this is why, technically, in my opinion, the wild card rule came into play anyway. Well, part of the reason. So, um, we'll cover the rest of that as we get to that. Uh, I, the triple threat matchup that took place later on. But... Uh, it's one of those things that I think confused the WWE universe in a way, but it didn't necessarily need to, as long as we understand what the reason uh, behind uh, Mr. McMahon making that decision was. So, uh, oh no, good moment of bliss segment, and we'll get into the next part right now. All right, so I think we're starting to see some forms of the order established with the 24-7 championship party. Um, our truth was going to be taking on Elias as per uh, Shane McMahon. Pardon. And uh, it was told backstage to uh, Carmella on the phone. Our truth was apparently using Carmella's phone to try to get in contact with Shane because our truth isn't necessarily. Uh, feeling the eff- I mean, he isn't liking the effects of the 24-7 championship where uh, someone is always, you know, chasing him down. And it starts to question the purpose behind the 24-7 championship. Now, to me, 
I think the 24-7 championship is the opportunity title. I think that if you can really make yourself that much more entertaining, hey, more entertaining than our truth, you know, and then maybe you could, you know, get an opportunity at a future championship. The 24-7 championship to me seems like it's a, a potential stepping stone. Like uh, maybe you can uh, get the 24-7 championship, but you did so good that, you know, in your, little, in your time having it, maybe how long you have it, I don't know, but you did so good that now you know, you're going to receive a better opportunity because of, you know, your performance with the 24-7 championship. Uh, who knows? But these are all just things that I've uh, been trying to think about as far as why the 24-7 championship is so uh, uh, relevant, I guess, because it's it, it's scripted to be uh, the joke title, the undercard title, the jobber title, however uh, one wants to word it. But I do recognize that uh, WWE has been utilizing uh, different areas, you know, with just with not saying the hardcore thing, but really showing that they can be creative and, uh, and have the crowd get more engaged in the social media like putting that one the well yeah the un, well so let's get into it Elias and our truth went at it in an official one-on-one -on -one match for the 24-7 championship then uh, pardon me a lot of uh nasties apparently on the road it wasn't it had nothing to do with me but uh it's definitely uh a lot of people that aren't you know <laughs> moving the safest possible let's say that so anyway Elias and uh R-Truth are going at it in a one-on-one -on -one match for the uh 24-7 championship but it turns out that this is going to be a lumberjack match and all of the superstars that have been clamoring for an opportunity but just haven't been able to pick up their tv time the way they want it's uh you know, they're, they're all outside flanked the ring and were surrounding the ring and Elias and R-Truth uh, go at it. Elias picks up the victory. Amazing. And, uh... I mean, pardon. Pardon all of that. Wow. So, Elias and R-Truth go at it. Elias uh, picks up the victory. Well, if it was such... I mean, I guess it was supposed to be a match to not take too seriously from an in-ring standpoint. <laughs> because under the ring is where everything took place this time around. As far as the main story went. Now, hold on. Because everyone is, uh, you know, looking at Elias celebrate being... A two-time 24-7 champion and as he's celebrating all of the lumberjacks in the match they get to the ring apron and they uh they all try to swarm him Elias was well had the wherewithal to you know dip and go underneath it all and underneath the giant brawl of just superstars clashing and uh, get, gets out the ring. He tries to crawl by the apron so nobody can see him. It was actually really good. But 
when he gets to uh, one of the turnbuckles, our uh, truth is right there crawling along with them. So uh, they go at it. Elias tries to go under the ring and hides. Apparently, underneath the ring, our uh, truth bangs Elias' head into a steel chair and uh, is able to pick up the one, two, three victory. Now, on television, it was hilarious because you see him go under there and then R-Truth comes out as the new 24-7 champion. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. But, um, yeah, it was all in all good stuff. So R-Truth picks up the victory there. All right, Shane McMahon in the ring next with uh, The Revival. Hyping up the matchup this Friday with him and Roman Reigns. At Super Showdown in Jeddah, streaming live on the WWE Network. It's going, it was, uh, you know, Shane came out, just said he's going to beat him up. Not bad. You know, he, he took him out last night with the spear, showed it again. Uh, did, did a, f- <laughs> some, some people ain't liking it, but I thought it was just, it's a great Roman impression, just with just just trolling, and I, I'm really starting to see how WWE enjoys to troll uh, the crowd. It's um, it, it's crazy because it really does make me chuckle. It, it's uh, it could be so much worse. You know, and I think that the small things that we do get to see where WWE is just trying to gauge a certain part of the crowd, it uh, it's um, it's really good because it technically, it, it it's it's still good. Like, it's Shane pulling off another spear. Drew McIntyre, you know, they go they got Roman to come out. Out of nowhere comes Drew McIntyre. You know. After Roman beats up the Revival. And, you know, like, this is good stuff. We get to see Roman look strong. I think, out of storyline, uh, Shane McMahon right now does have a bit of heat. So, with that heat, you know, we have Roman taking him on. And Roman is getting a hero's ovation. That's great because Shane is fine regardless. And... Come on, we're get Roman is getting the ovation that Mr. McMahon wants. I think if Mr. McMahon gets uh, what he wants, he'll be more willing to, you know, uh, leave his trust in uh, more parts of the product. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. You know, everyone thinks they know him, so I'm not going to sit and try to argue about it. But in this case, I'm looking at Roman Reigns, or I'm listening to Roman Reigns get a hero's ovation. It's it's good. So, um that was it was it was a good segment leading into the match this Friday uh, between Roman and Shane. We're gonna see how it all plays out. Shane being the best in the world, Roman being the big dog, being the guy, you know, so we're gonna see how uh that all plays out this Friday. Alright, so in the moment of bliss segment earlier we had, was it, yeah, Carmella came out first. Because, you know, like I said, Alexa Bliss was really uh, talking down to Bailey about how all the stuff that Bailey's done, Alexa Bliss has done, like, kind of times two. 
and it's been uh, better and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't really want to compare and contrast Alexa Bliss and Bailey, and you know, because it just, I don't think it would be right. Like, now with their match coming up, I think it would be all right to start trying to compare and contrast the two, but we've seen the match. Alexa Bliss has Bailey's number in a way. We all know about the candlestick on a pole match. It was crazy. Like, uh, Alexa Bliss really went to town on Bailey, and it was one shot to the head where it was just, oh my goodness. And we need to see Bailey go dark and get better because, you know, that killer instinct that she didn't have at the time, now that she has, at the time it was very necessary because she took, uh, man, that was crazy. But that's in the past, and we leave it there. Bailey now. As the SmackDown Women's Champion, smacking coffee cups and such like that. Why not? Um, she's, uh, well, her and Alexa Bliss are met with Carmella. So, uh, Carmella being uh, positioned as a top star in the women's division on SmackDown, you know, we all know she's Miss Money in the Bank winner. She's been some women's, well, SmackDown Women's Champion. We've seen uh, a Carmella be able to uh, beat two top superstars more than once, you know, and she's running around and she's been a big help to, uh, uh, look, our truth being able to maintain, like at the golf course, or retain the uh, championship, the 24-7 championship, so it's uh, really good that uh, Carmella is getting the opportunity to continue, excuse me, to continue to shine, and I'm excited to see just how, uh, you know, she continues to develop. Right now, she's having a small rivalry with Mandy Rose, and it, it could be going, you know, it could be going somewhere. I'm liking, you know, that small rivalry they've had. It, it's uh, Maybe we could get a tag match between uh, Carmella and Zelina Vega taking on Fire and Desire since back at the Money in the Bank uh, kickoff. We had uh, Zelina Vega and Sonya Deville have a, you know, verbal dispute, verbal jousting, if you will. And it did not disappoint, in my opinion. I think it really hit on that reality show feel that, you know, so many uh, so many women enjoy with just the arguing and bickering. And it's spicy because these girls can actually fight. So, you know, we'll... We'll see. That's just, you know, something I guess uh, we could just throw in a suggestion box. But all in all, uh, excuse me, Charlotte comes out and reminds everybody that she's the queen. You can't have one of these women's championship segments without the non-time. That's right. I said non-time women's champ, well, WWE women's champion, Charlotte Flair, Charizard herself. So, uh, you know, she come out and it sets up a triple threat match. And the number and the winner becomes the number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So Charlotte, Bail, excuse me, Charlotte, Alexa Bliss, and uh, Carmella, all going at it, heads on swivels in each direction. A good match. Now I think everybody's move of the match is very clear. It could have been the move of the night. One of the, it was high impact. It was it was beautiful, and then it had enough of that we've been waiting 
to see you back. So Alexa Bliss hits the twisted Bliss Bliss off the top ropes while uh, Charlotte has Carmella in the figure eight. Beautiful spot. I think I think Charlotte would have been much better off had she just stayed up and took that impact and went down. Maybe she timed her drop down too early. I don't know, but either way, first of all, we know Charizard got a six pack, so it's okay. But what I'm really getting at is it was really nice to see an impact spot like that, you know, with Charlotte, uh, with Charlotte being able to, you know, take the impact like that, just take the brunt of the attack. She went down and that was, she was so close to bliss when she was just about to land so it just made the fold a little bit longer for bliss it just was a really good impact spot and i mean come on it was during the the figure eight so she's doing her finishing or her, her signature maneuver or, or some, one of them and uh you know she gets hit with another one and stuff so it's just it was really good i enjoyed it a lot i thought that it was uh some some of the best uh, in-ring work from the women we've seen in a couple of weeks now. And um, I'm glad that we can still see that. Like, if, if anything, with with, with the Raw and Charlotte and Lacey's matchup and seeing that Charlotte had to be the one trusted to uh, carry uh, certain aspects of the match and it not really translating through to as good as it could have. You know, it was good to see that Charlotte is still able to perform. She's able to do a thing. Carmella was able to do a thing. And Bailey was able to do a thing. But this is just experience on the main roster in time. Uh, I'm definitely more than sure that uh, Lacey Evans will be at that level. You know, so it's just all around a very productive uh, sequence of matches. And I enjoyed all of it. So... Uh, fire and desire come out to uh, distract. Now, hold on. Let's not skip over Carmella getting a lot of the. Uh, she's breaking up a lot of the pinfall attempts, which says that she she plays a role also because she could have been down and out. I think she saved uh, the pinfall victory maybe two to three times. I want to say two, but it could have been a third one that I missed. But either way, it was still very very good. I'm happy that Carmella was able to uh, show off at that level and, um, you know, be able to add to the, the story of the match that much more. So all in all, uh, again, fire and desire come out and um, I, no, we're going to stay on Carmella because she broke up. I think it was two major spots after the twisted bliss spot. And then I believe Charlotte hit natural selection on bliss. And Carmella was able to break that up, too. But she seemed down and out both times. So you don't want to uh, counter out, apparently. And and uh, it's good for her to be positioned as another top superstar in the women's division. Because, you know, they, it, it just opens up more space and possibilities for uh, very compelling storylines. Now, anyway, Fire and Desire come out. They ringside is distracting Carmella a little bit. And uh, when she's... I believe getting ready to go for some sort of signature maneuver or she's going off of the ropes, uh, fire and desire, interfere, pull her down or pull her 
I'll grab her legs, and she's now uh, fully distracted. And um, when she's able to get them off, I believe that was where Bliss came through with the DDT, which I'm sure Stone Cold is really happy that somebody's getting pinned with a DDT, but she hits that strong DDT on, uh, on Carmella, and there you go, one, two, three, uh, pinning the victory for Alexa Bliss. So now she's the number one contender, a raw superstar, underneath the wild card rule for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Oh, okay. Now, I'm not going to say it doesn't make sense. I remember some months back it was reported that Fox was not huge on Roman Reigns being moved from uh, Raw to SmackDown in the whole SmackDown biggest acquisition storyline. I personally understand why Mr. McMahon did that and I wanted to watch how the internet and how social media would respond to it and they haven't uh, I don't think they get it like that's so fast to jump to the dirt sheets and give their opinions but then forget about the opinions they shared you know and I don't know if they would even stand on it. sometimes you can change it but I mean certain things like come on you're gonna be mad that He's calling himself brilliant, or you're going to be mad at the fact that he's silencing all of the people that he has to, in some senses, answer to. Like, now Brock Lesnar can be on either Raw or SmackDown. Now Roman Reigns can be on either Raw or SmackDown. If we're moving to Fox and nobody's drafted, to, well, and there's certain guys that are drafted to certain shows, like, oh, well, we want Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. Guess what? Now, Brock Lesnar can come through underneath the wild card rule, and the problem is solved. Mr. McMahon just made a loophole in the contract. Come on, man. Am I, are y'all mad? The, if y'all wanna, if y'all claim to know so much, act like you know. Like, jeez, what? It's not. It was a good idea, damn it. And that ain't me shilling. That's me, literally thinking about it, seeing where the brilliance is at. They wanted Brock Lesnar on the top show. They wanted Roman Reigns on the top show. Said, "Why would you give away your biggest, your biggest guy?" But now, guess what? He can go where he wants. And I think that Alexa Bliss becoming the number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship does position Brock for, if ever, you know, he's looming. He's anywhere right now. Anywhere. He can become, or he can go for a championship. Right now, he's Mr. Money in the Bank. We'll see what happens Friday at Super Showdown. But in the future, during, well, after we all take that move uh, to, to Fox, and, you know, Brock Lesnar has to become a champion or he's uh, positioned himself to be a number one contender or any other superstar for that matter. You know, it doesn't need to just be Brock. Clearly, we could have, you know, Seth Rollins. We could have Baron Corbin. You know, these guys are, again, going at it one on one this Friday at Super Showdown. But these are two uh, very good examples of, you know, 
why the wild card rule is a good loophole, even though you guys don't like the medicine. But I digress. Alexa Bliss is now the new uh, number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And we will see who is going to prevail at a later date. All right, so next up, The Freak, Lars Sullivan. And I'm not saying uh, that to try to piss him off. But uh, he's interviewed in the ring by lovely Kayla Braxton. And um, she's, uh, you know, asking him about his path of destruction that he's been on. He goes into all sorts of metaphors about uh, primary functions, like uh, he's, he's in so many words, a specimen that exacts violence, you know, on his competition. And that's pretty much the way that uh, one picked up, like that's what I picked up from it. And the Lucha House Party of Three Blind Mice, and they're gonna, uh, they're gonna get their tails ripped off and he's going to uh, paint a portrait with their blood. And I'm just going to call it like that. So, uh, Lucha House Party versus Lars Sullivan. <laughs> Super Showdown this Friday streaming live on the WWE Network. 2 p.m. Eastern. What is it? 11 Pacific something like that. No disrespect. It's... Uh, it's got a fair build to it. Lucha House Party was the first ones to draw blood on Lord Sullivan. So now we're going to see if uh, they can actually turn this into a victory underneath silent Lucha House rules. Because I don't think they're going to be able to do the tag team thing. There's no one no one man on that crew is going to take on Lord Sullivan and be able to put a real dent in his armor, if you will. But... Um, all three together, I think there's space there for a beautiful story told. Do not count Kalisto out. Do not think that Kalisto is not very capable of delivering some sort of unexpected, amazing result. Uh, we've seen it happen a million times, even down to this. We saw Kalisto in the Lucha House Party, you know, taking on Lars Sullivan. Well, not fighting, you know, in a sanctioned match, but it was a brawl, I believe, at Money in the Bank. And, uh... You know, we all figured it was just going to be a complete whooping, complete ass beating, just ass kicking. And what do we get? We get Kalisto, uh, you know, getting Lars Sullivan to bleed. It was a little bit of a freak accident, no pun intended. But at the same time, they are the ones that I, we, one can say has gotten the most offense in on him thus far. So now we're going to see uh, how that story continues to be told or if. That story ends this Friday at Super Showdown. How is Kalisto and Lucha House Party going to be able to stand up to the freak? This freak of nature is powerhouse in Lars Sullivan. Or is Lars Sullivan going to be relegated to the, to the act that we can't take serious that night? Who knows? I mean, I, I want to take Lars Sullivan serious. I think he's a great superstar. I think, well, from the match I've seen with him, like the official sanction match back in his NXT days, I thought he was uh, definitely a superstar that would be on the up and up. 
and uh, coming top. So I've, I've, I'm just, I'm glad to be able to see that he was able to kind of hold his own on the microphone. It was a little weird. It was not gonna front. It was a little weird. But this is all about the character development. We would like to see him remain a monster and be able to, you know, just solidify that spot on the roster. But we. We can only hope we can leave. We have to leave it to Mr. McMahon and the rest of the WWE creative team to uh, figure out. So with that, it was, uh, <laughs> it was all right, I guess. Like I'm not, I'm not opposed to Lars Sullivan uh, just uh, having some, some time to, show that he can actually build to a larger match in the future you know maybe maybe the scripting can change but all in all i'd like to see him uh definitely flourish on the main roster last week i was listening to andrade's promo and i said to myself oh yes i'm gonna remember everything that he said and then and then i'm going to repeat it on the podcast I can't remember everything he quite said, but he definitely told Finn last week that he was the guy that gave him uh, those power bombs, the sunset flip power bomb on the ladder. Said it. It wasn't, you know, just you know some guy that did it. It was Andrade, and that means that you know it was. It, it's cool, you know. It's like you can just feel his culture uh, seeping through it away. But it was good. But oh no. You know, right? Shouts to Andrade, man. He is the next face of Latin America. I wholeheartedly respect him and uh, Selena Vega with what they're able to accomplish in the ring and what they're able to do. So, uh, he's apparently going to be in competition. So, he doesn't uh, do any mic work this night. But his in ring, uh, <laughs> we def. I like the way he was scripted. What happens is uh, he takes on Apollo. How about that? So he takes on Apollo, and then he uh, hits Apollo with a hammerlock DDT for the one, two, three victory. So fast, so amazing. Something else. And um, then Finn comes out. No, they got their match coming up. Good stuff. But he also uh, loses to. Well, Finn also uh, ends up going down. So Andrade looking strong on SmackDown Live. We all know what that could mean since he's taking on the Demon Finn at Super Showdown, but we will see how it all plays out for the Intercontinental Championship this Friday at Super Showdown, Saudi Mania 3, streaming live on the WWE Network. Goldberg! Goldberg! All right, so we had Goldberg uh, outside to, well, out to the, out to the ring. First time on SmackDown Live uh, ever. Um, you know, it's good stuff. No, he has his match coming up with uh, The Undertaker this Friday at Super Showdown, streaming live on the WWE Network. So, um, all in all, it was an okay segment. It was, uh, Goldberg came on out. No pyro because no pyro. Not, not upset about it. Could be. You know, one of there's one of those pyros that are kind of it's like a little iconic. You know, like Goldberg is Goldberg, and we all know him not well for all of the devastation and dominance and such like that. But 
you know, really is the awesome pyro, but whatever, because it came out, people loved it, and uh, he hyped up the matchup going into it on Friday, then don't want to see the family man, you want to see the ass kicking Goldberg, and, and he's saying that's what it's going to be, so, that, um, uh, he tells Undertaker that he's going to be next to rest in peace, and this brings out Undertaker, so, again, always good to see Taker on you know, on WWE TV. The fuck? Anyway, pardon me. Always good to see Undertaker on WWE TV. And, um, you know, it was great just with how they just just did that. The final build in the go-home show. It was, uh, you know, Taker popped up with the, with the bong. And then he... Uh, you know, Goldberg showed no fear, stared, and his great stare down underneath the ominous, you know, midnight blue light. You know, it was uh, very good. And then Undertaker vanished as fast as he came through. So it's just like, great, great, <laughs> you know, like, yes. Because it gives to that, that presence, you know, that Taker has. And, you know, it definitely adds to that feel that Goldberg comes with, just with that energy and, you know, that flair and just that that feeling of dominance, you know? So, the both of them ready to go at it, clearly, as Super Showdown, and we're going to see how it all, all plays out. All in all, it was a very good episode of SmackDown Live. I think the episode, the only thing that, like, uh, I wouldn't, it didn't really slow the episode down, per se, but it was like, oh, man, really? But, but not really, but it's just the promotion for Goldberg to come through because that was when it was like, oh, man, well, how much longer do we have left in the show? Each and every time they brought it up, and it's like, well, we know it's going to be the main event segment, but it's still in all, you know, it's... uh. You know, like, it was it was a show that flowed by. Like, if there weren't any Goldberg promo promotions, I would just feel like the show went by. Each segment was interesting. Everybody had a character-building uh, moment in some way or another. Alistair Black is uh, still backstage in that dark room, LOL, and he's waiting for someone to pick a fight with him, waiting for someone to come and knock at his door. Could be a bunch of people that... Uh, could always knock at his door, but I'm thinking that people want to see Alistair Black in a, uh, in a, a championship, or well, not championship, oh shoot, well, I don't know if we uh, was able to cover the main event segment with Goldberg and Undertaker, but um, all in all, I think that it's going to be a great matchup between the two. Goldberg was not scared. Undertaker definitely had his presence felt with just how he would appear and disappear. I thought it was very good stuff. If I've already said this, I apologize, but I don't think that audio went through. So, uh, again, I did like how Undertaker was able to, you know, keep his aura and mystique with just, you know, appearing in the ring and, you know, being underneath the ominous midnight blue lights and you know, Goldberg not being uh, not being afraid of that and being willing to look it right in the face. And they both were, you know, good to go. Just uh, good stuff to close out the show. And that was cool. So 205 Live came on next. And we had, uh, whew, it was Akira Tozawa 
and he took on a talent that had he had a great match with. Uh, give me one moment to try to remember. Yes, the story was Gulak. Yes, Akira Tozawa was uh, scheduled for a one-on-one -on -one competition with Supernova Eleven. Noem Dahl. As Noem gets to the, you know the stage and he's hitting his pose, out comes Drew Gulak with the hair slicked back and the black trunks on with the black boots. And he's been all over Instagram with a whole bunch of very, very, uh, as commentary calls it, ominous quotes. And get this, Drew Gulak is much more aggressive. Drew Gulak is much more focused. And he seems that much more determined to actually make his own opportunity. A beautiful, beautiful uh, story was told uh, by way of that. And... Uh, he wasn't supposed to be in that match. Drew, um, excuse me, Drake Maverick uh, comes on out and, you know, he, first of all, it was a complete beatdown on OM Dar. A complete beatdown. The beatdown was so bad, I didn't even get to see the shots of the stairs where Noam might have hurt his knee. It's so real, they didn't even play that replay again, so it could be a little serious. Huh. I don't know. I hope the Supernova 11 is good. He was just on his way back up. Maybe he was already injured and this was a way to write him off of that TV but who knows we'll see um, Drew Gulak well Drake Maverick comes out tells Drew Gulak that ain't the way to have a match we all know Drake Maverick outside of all of the uh, preoccupations that he's been having with uh, just making the most of his opportunities for TV time I say it like that and it's great you know, like, it is some comical stuff, but it's just like, man, he's so serious and held to high regard on 205 Live. So to see him on main roster looking like somewhat of a joke, oh, man. But what I will say is Drake Maverick gave us a beautiful dive. It was, he grabbed that air chasing after R-Truth, but it, it was a great, Dive and it really like the for the, for the comedy element of the show. I enjoyed that. I thought Drake Maverick played that part beautifully, and that's why I say he take he made he's making the most of his opportunity on television. I think he even has a twenty four seven shirt now, which is like hilarious. Like wow, so glad that they're actually being able to make merch off of this because it gives it gives that title a little bit more prestige, whether you like it or not. So with that. Um, Drake Maverick comes out He's definitely scolding Drew Gulak But um, he pretty much uh, ensures that Well, Because part of me I know we know that Drake Maverick doesn't just give away matches like that But tells Drew Gulak Hope you got what you wanted It gives him his match You know And uh, now it's Tozawa Versus uh, Drew Gulak. Now, Tozawa was really the one to say he wants to fight him. So let's not take away from that at all. And uh, now they, again, they, they're in a one-on-one -on -one match. Oh, great match. And I believe that, I believe Drew Gulak was able to pick up the victory there. And he was able to pull that victory out. So now he's he's definitely in the conversation. But I think he's going to have to go through Noam Dar probably go back through Tozawa and then have his championship 
uh, opportunity given to him because you just don't come through and skip the line like that. I mean, hey, it's a combat sport. This is what the game is. If you want your opportunity, you take it. So I'm not mad. I'm not mad at that at all, but come on, man. It's a show we try and take serious and, you know, that. It, it, how long is your little emotional streak going to last? So uh, time will tell. We'll find out in the coming weeks, but for right now, uh, Drew Gulak uh, was made to look very awesome on 205 Live. So shouts to him with that. All right, uh, next up, we had a... Well, actually, no. Drew Gulak showed he's new because he went to the top ropes and hit a superplex. He could have been a little more... Uh, what's it? It could have been a little more, uh, you know, map-based, but he wasn't. He was, he was map-based on top of that having... Uh, some very very powerful impact strikes during uh, some of those submission holds and such. So um, it was a uh, very good, very good stuff. I'm happy to see uh, Drew Gulak at that level. I'm happy to see that he came with, you know, that that new animal. And anybody that's a fan of Drew Gulak, I'm pretty sure were uh, deeply inspired. By, by his in-ring work last night. It was real good stuff. So, uh, with that, we have Mike Canellas backstage. Maria Canellas, quick in between. Uh, in between vignette. You know, talking about how he's the best. They need to pay attention to it. Now he's being seen as a main event player. Um, I'm not going to get into too, too much of, um, you know, the offline stuff. But I do see that... Um, you know, Mike and Maria are being seen as top towns. They've been able to really earn that, in my opinion. I've been enjoying, uh, you know, seeing those two uh, just climb the ladder in general. And I do hope that, hey, maybe he does get a Cruiserweight Championship opportunity against Tony Nese or whoever the Cruiserweight Champion will be. And come in time, he might be the next challenger up. Maybe, maybe Drew Gulak is. Maybe we'll have a trip with that. Maybe a fatal four-way one-on-one. Who knows? But it's really going to come down to how Drake Maverick is uh, going to respond to all of this stuff. So um, I'm pretty sure he's definitely uh, professional or more than professional enough to, you know, put his uh, small little, little petty preoccupation to the side in the moment and get back to the show that he is in charge of. So... And he's already been able to show that he's able to, he's, you know, switching hats on a whim. And it's all good. You know, it does add a comedy element to uh, 205 Live. And it also keeps the show serious at the same time because we do get to see him just switch back to it. So maybe they could, uh, you know, maybe reinforce that a little bit more on 205. I don't know. Small suggestion box thing. I don't, it, it doesn't need to happen, you know, but it, it already has been happening. It's just been something I've been, been enjoying seeing. So whatever, right? With all of that, uh, we get into the main event after a promo from Tony Nese and just saying, you know, he's champion. Whoever's going to be, it's who's going to be. So, um, Aria Davari takes on Oni Lorkin. Oni Lorkin gave Davari six stitches in the ear after, I believe, a hard elbow or what, maybe that fatal five-way matchup they had a couple of weeks ago. So, um, yeah, my goodness. Great match. Both of these guys, very hard hitters, very strong gentlemen. Now, what I saw 
or what I was able to, you know, just pick up on during the match was, you know, Davari being strong, but Oni Lorcan just having a little bit more of that core strength, and we could see it. Davari is no slouch at all, but I think that Oni Lorcan had his number uh, the, the entire match just a little bit better. There could be a, a breeding or a brewing, brooding rivalry, but I. We don't know. Could be that could have been the blow off last night, but we'll definitely uh, see in the coming weeks with with these guys because they definitely both put on a very very good match. Only Lorcan with one of those flying European uppercut surprises. It was great. Just the uh, the way he landed it, the way it came out of nowhere off the ropes, and he was the one tossed into the ropes, so he turned that and he turned it into a form of orf- offense, and it was. It was really, really good. I enjoyed the matchup. Only Lorca was able to pick up the victory. And, um, you know, shouts to both of those superstars, you know, for being able to, you know, really, really just demonstrate why 205 Live is why is the uh, most exciting hour on television. So, with all of that, now, shout out to everybody bringing the podcast each and every week. I will catch you guys next week uh, or maybe even uh, Saturday uh, for the Super Showdown recap and review. Maybe even later on that evening. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But till then, you guys be good. Be safe. Stay out of trouble. Peace out and one love.